As I said last Sunday night, it is a privilege to get to preach. It's a privilege anytime I get to go before the people of God and proclaim the things of God. Because that's what we're about. That's what the church should be about. Sharing the love of Christ, diving into His Word, and learning something. And growing closer to Him every day. So my desire for you today is that you might get something out of the ramblings of a fat, bald guy. My hope is that as I stand here and as I try to bring something to you, that you don't look at it and go, well, I already knew that. Or, okay. Because this morning, I want to talk to you about an event. I almost said story. You know I don't like the word story because that kind of gives it that Disney feel. These were events. These were actual things that happened. There was an event that many of you have heard or read before. But this morning, I want us to look at it with just a little bit different, a little tilt in our head. And maybe just think about it as if you've never heard the event before. Look at it as a fresh, new, don't jump ahead in your mind. Stay where we're at. Don't get ahead. Because I think the Lord really wants to speak to us this morning. I think that He really has already spoken to me. And I've read this event Bukus of times. And I prayed and I prayed. And I wasn't sure because I felt like, Lord, it's kind of eh. But as I walked through Kroger's yesterday, I wasn't going to share this, but the Lord's laid it on my heart to share. But as I was walking through Kroger's yesterday, Rachel and I decided to go get some chicken and rice. And as we were walking through it, just the rice so you could make chicken and rice. Uh, as we were walking through, on the shelf was my confirmation. That I was supposed to bring this today. I'm not going to tell you what it was yet. Wait for it. But there are, there are prizes on the front pew for the student who listens long enough to tell me what a lentil is. And then they can have what I have on the front pew over here. I have two big brothers. I've shared with you before that I have two big brothers. And my big brothers used to pick on me. Because you know that's what big brothers do. But can I tell you something? They used to really get into it with each other. They picked on me. They brawled with each other. They had those knockdown, drag down fights. My favorite, I'm going to tell you two stories this morning. My favorite two fights between my big brothers. One, they were playing baseball in the front yard. And my big brother Mark was throwing pop flies to my big brother John. And he decided that Mark was thinking that it was a little too easy for him. So he rears back and he just chunks it. And it goes way, way, way past John. Mark, rather proud of himself, goes, <laughs> better go get it, boy. So my brother, John, and his, he was the other redhead of the family. He ran out there with his redhead to anger, gets that ball, comes back, and he throws the hardest baseball. Of course, let me just tell y'all something. I'm the little kid sitting on the sidewalk going, because, <laughs> you know, I'm not involved. I'm not being picked on in this moment. But he throws back and he throws it as hard as he can. And it goes flying over Mark's head. And they hear this, oh. and they start looking around. And the next thing they know, there's a lawnmower rolling down the hill. We run over to the yard. Mr. Newman has been knocked out cold on the ground and he's snoring. 
He's on the ground. <sighs> and they, they got in a lot of trouble that day for knocking out the neighbor. There was another moment when my brother John was washing his car before he went on a date with Julie Hayes, the girl of all girls, Miss Julie Hayes. And before he was going on this date, Mark decided to be a big brother and go out and get little lippy, as you know. Mark's best friend was a guy by the name of Blake Hayes, the brother of Julie Hayes. And in that moment, they both began to just pick and pick and pick and just, well, you know, you know how brother, and I'm still the kid sitting down there going, <laughs> and they're just picking. And I was just glad they were picking on somebody other than me, but they were picking. And John just gets that moment where he gets that redhead, he kicks in again and he goes and he picks up a thing of palm olive. Y'all know what palm olive is? Because that's what you used to wash your car with, isn't it? That was just us, because we used that green stuff. And he rears back, and he throws that palm olive at Mark as hard as he can. It hits him in the head, and there's green everywhere. It was one of the coolest things ever you've seen as a child. And I thought, oh my goodness, they're really going to kill each other this time. But somehow, out of clear air, my mother appears. I don't know where she came from, but she was there. And she had both of them by their ears, took them to the front yard, sat them down on the ground, on that sidewalk, and said, now I want you to sit there and stare at each other for the next five minutes. And she made them sit in the front yard and stare at each other for five minutes. If they looked away, it's a five-minute counter started again. And Blake Hayes and I are standing in front of the window going, <laughs> because we're watching all of this go down. There was fights. There was anger. They were always going at it. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about two guys from the Bible who were always going at it. They were always fighting. There was a woman, her name was Rebecca. She became pregnant in her old age. And God had blessed her belly with a belly, with a baby. Not belly with a belly, belly with a baby. And all of a sudden, inside of her, she began to have a lot of discomfort and pain and issues. And let me just say, this was pre-ultrasound. If you didn't know, the Bible, they didn't have those back then. So she goes to the Lord and she says, Lord, what's going on inside of me? I don't know what's happening. You've blessed me with this baby. What's happening? Genesis chapter 25. Beginning in verse 23, he answers her. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people will come from you and be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When her time came to give birth, there were indeed twins in her womb. You see, these two babies from utero were already fighting. Already going at each other already struggling to see who could be first, who could be the number one, who could be the best. Let's keep going in verse 25. The first one came out red looking, covered with hair like a fur coat, and they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out grasping Esau's heel, 
with his hand, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. So these boys were born already in a fighting position. They were jockeying to see from the very beginning who would be the firstborn. Who would be the one that mattered? And we'll get to why that matters so much here in a little bit. But they were fighting inside, struggling to be the first one out, wanting to be the one. I want to be the one. I want to be the one. And the one grabs the other one by the foot and says, no, I'm going to be the one. But he didn't make it. The other guy got out first. And they called them Esau and Jacob. Now Esau means furry. Jacob means one who grabs heel. Aren't you glad we don't name people like that now? I'm just going to, that's got nothing to do with the sermon. But I was just thinking about, you know, Paul Ryan would be one with peanut head. Because he had, his head was like this big when he was born. Or, you know, I, or like, remember Dances with Wolves? Did y'all ever watch that movie back in the day? Rachel and I watched it again the other day. And they just named you whatever you did. I'm glad that's not who we are now. We just go with regular names like Mark, John, and Michael. Of course, my mom was thinking because she had two Gospels and then the angel. All right. Uh, You like that, didn't you? 47 years ago today, that angel came into this world. It was his birthright. Uh, Genesis chapter 25, verse 27. When the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman. But Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Doesn't say why, but I think it's because he helped around the house. Just would make sense. Because that was her work and he was helping her. Once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. He said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff because I'm exhausted. That is why he was also named Edom, which means red. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Now, the birthright to us today really doesn't mean much. We have no idea what a birthright really is. But back then, in the culture there, birthrights were everything. Your birthright was the order that you were born, obviously. But with the birthright, what would happen when the inheritance time came, they would take everything from the livestock to the money to the slaves to whatever you owned, and they would cut it in half. Which does make a little sense. That doesn't seem too bad. And the birthright child would get the first, that first half. And then there was the other half over here. And what would happen is whoever was left, however many children were left, everybody would get a piece of the second half. So not only is this birthright the opportunity to get half of everything, it's also the opportunity to get half of the half. Kind of important. Kind of something that you might want to hold on to. Might be something that you want to have. Might be something that really matters. Might be something worth thinking about. Might be worth something to take a minute, slow down, and make a decision. It's not really Esau's style to slow down and think it through. It was kind of a reactor 
kind of whatever happens, this is how I react to it. Let's keep going. Verse 32. Look, said Esau, I'm about to die, so what good is my birthright to me? Now, it sounds like to me that moment when your child looks at you and says, I'm starving to death, Daddy. You're not starving to death. You've eaten before. You're going to be okay. But in that moment, he couldn't see past his nose. Y'all ever heard that saying? I can't see past my nose. Because that's all he saw was he was hungry. And he wanted to eat. I'm hungry. I got to get some food. I'm hungry. Let's pray and go to the restaurant. Oh, sorry. No, that's, that's just me. Uh, I'm hungry. And he reacted in his hunger. He said, I'm about to die. Who needs a birthright? Because you're going to get it all anyway because I'm going to be dead from hunger. Not true. Here's what happens to us in life. We get to a point where we start to see things that aren't true as truth. And that's where he was at in this moment. The truth is, Jesus came and he died for all of us. And that no matter what happens, we have him. To go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. But when the good and the bad and the ugly start to happen, we can't see past our nose. We don't understand that we got to lean on Him. And that He's there for us. That's where Esau was in this moment. Then Jacob, I'm sorry, look at, looks at Esau, I'm about to die. So what, go, what good is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. Then Jacob gave bread and lentil stew to Esau. He ate, drank, got up and went away. So Esau despised his birthright. You know what you're thinking? That guy's crazy to give up everything for lentil stew. Do you all know what lentil stew is? They're little peas. I didn't know till yesterday as I walked through Kroger's and I was praying, what am I supposed to preach upon this morning, Lord? And there on the shelf was a bag of lentils. And I was like, okay, I won't question it anymore. I've never seen a lentil on a shelf in my entire life. But when he put it on the shelf, I went, yes, sir. That's what I'll speak on. So I looked and I was like, man, those look horrible. And they were red. So that makes sense that the stew would be red. And apparently, in lentil stew, they also mix in beets. Ugh. Can I tell you, beets and peas are not the kind of stew I'm giving up everything for. There's going to be a stew that's got some taters and some beef and some carrots in there. But this is pea beet soup. Who would ever give up everything for pea beet soup? Me and you. Me and you. Because we're real quick to throw away what God has given us in that moment. Whatever the world's throwing at us. And we look at it and go, oh, that's so much better than what I've already got. It's not true. You see, the Lord has blessed us. He's given us something called our spiritual birthright. And with our spiritual birthright comes salvation. 
and the ability to fight through whatever's going on. He went to a cross and He died for me and for you. And with His death, He killed sin. And when He rose again three days later, He proved that He was God. And with that proof, He offered you and me spiritual birthright. Equal shares of a spiritual birthright given to us by the Creator. And we look out there and we see stew. Or we see, you know what your thing is. Well, just take a minute right now. Think about yourself for just a second. Let the Lord speak to your heart. What is your stew? What is that one thing that he keeps that keeps coming in front of you that you're like, I'd rather have that than God. I'd rather have that. It's a hard question to ask this morning, isn't it? Because we're real quick to go, I would never put that before God. But our actions speak louder than words, don't they? What we actually do matters. What we do shows what matters to us. Esau was only thinking about the present and not the future. He wanted to satisfy a current need without thought or preparation of what is to come. He wasn't thinking about what was to come, and I don't either sometimes. Matter of fact, in Job 31 it says it like this, when man's heart walks after, sorry, when men's heart walk after their own eyes, and when they serve their own bellies, they are sure to be punished. This is why one minute we can be driving down the road singing praises to the Lord because of the song that's in there. And the second that that dude cuts us off, we're cussing and screaming. Or why one minute we can close, I'm sorry, we can be so close to God and later it's like you've never met Him. It's one one minute you can hear His voice as distinctly as any one person talking to another person and then all of a sudden it's been a while since I heard the voice of God in my heart. It's because we get our eyes off of the thing that matters. We get our eyes on the things that we think matter. And can I tell y'all something? There's only one thing that matters. There's only one thing that matters. His name was Jesus. And His name is Jesus. And He is in this room. And He is here today speaking to you. Speaking to me. Romans 6.23 says it like this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, spiritually, you're dead before you ask Christ into your life. Your spiritual birth, your birthright, comes when you understand that you are a sinner. And guess what? (laughs) So am I. Man, Rachel, amen? Yep, mm-hmm. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. It's just the truth. We might, we might put on airs at moments that we're not. 
But the reality is, I bet if I followed y'all around long enough, I'd see y'all mess up at least once. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. One. Just one. One, one little moment of, man, I wish I had that car. Woo. Or, <laughs> uh-huh. or, man, she's pretty. Or, man, he's handsome. Or, man, I wish I had a six-pack. Or, not like a six-pack. Or maybe that six-pack. I don't know what you want. <laughs> Hear me. We're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But here the second part. In the, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've got eternal life in Christ. How cool is that? Your eternal life started the minute that you said, Christ, come into me. And he said, go and live for me. That's exciting. If you can't get excited about that, I am so sorry for your life. Because there's nothing more exciting than a Christ who died for you and said, go live for me. Here is your eternal security. Do it. From this moment till the minute I come back. Problem is, too many of us start at the moment, and that's where we stay. You see, there's another thing. I'm I'm skipping ahead. Let me read John 3. Jesus said it like this. I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus Nicodemus asked. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus provided us this new birth with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In that moment, a new birth has come. A new way of looking at everything. We must continue to battle the world that's out there. Our own selfish desires, which attack all the time. Esau was also supposed to receive one more thing. It was the blessing. The blessing. It's for you, Mark Boggs, wherever you're sitting. There you are, buddy. The blessing. He was supposed to receive the blessing. In Genesis chapter 27, it tells you how he lost the blessing. I'm not going to go into that. Go read it later on this afternoon. Most of you know that story. But the blessing was very important. The blessing was the blessing that God had given Abraham and Isaac. And now that same blessing to go and be something was given to Jacob. And with that blessing came the promise that one day you will be a great nation and one day I will save the world through you. That's a very important blessing. And Jacob tricked Esau and received that blessing. But you know what? There's a blessing out there for me and you too. There's a spiritual blessing. After our spiritual birthright. After you have received Christ. There's a blessing out there that will change you forever. And you know what it is? It's called surrender. As you humble yourself and you surrender to the call that God has put on your life. Your life will be blessed beyond measure. 
blessed beyond anything you ever thought about. There'll be trials. There'll be tests. But here's the thing. He walks through those with you. I'm not here to say that your life's going to be perfect because I promise you it's not. Ask Rachel. She's married to this. But I do promise you this. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will hold your hand in the hardest times of your life. When you think, I cannot get through this. He says, hold on. There's a blessing coming. I will hold you and we will get through this. It's not always easy. And it's not the reward. It's the blessing. You see the difference? The rewards are in heaven. That's your birthright. That's coming someday. We get to live eternally with the Father in awesomeness. But the blessing comes when we say, Lord, no matter what you do, no matter what happens in my life, I will walk with you. No matter what you allow to happen to me, I will walk with you. No matter how hard it gets, I will walk with you. And that's what he's asking. Hold on. There's a blessing in the storm. Count your many blessings. Did you ever see your trials and tests as blessings? Because they are. They're those things that teach us to lean on Him. And without leaning on Him, we're weak. We're not strong Christians. We're not someone that people can look to and go, Wow! How on earth did they get through that? My dad had a stent put in this week. They thought it was going to be a 30-minute procedure where they looked at his heart and went, everything's fine. But when they got in there, they found an 80% blockage. And my mom was sitting out in the uh, waiting room for a 30-minute go look because they didn't expect to see anything to an hour-and-a-half-long procedure And in that moment, she began to lean upon the blessings of her life, knowing that no matter what was about to happen, it's going to be okay. She had her pastor sitting there with her. She didn't have me dead gummit because she didn't call me till the next morning and I was not happy with her. We'll have a talk with her later on this afternoon. She learned through the trials of her life to lean on God even when you can't control it. Everything was fine. My dad's doing fine. Found an 80% blockage that they didn't know was there. They fixed it. Yeehaw, he's good to go. He's 80 years old and stronger than me. Which is not saying much. All right. Lean on those times. My mom could deal with that. Because she'd learned to lean on it during her parents' deaths. And her fear that her son was going to die from a stupid tick. Or fear that her other son was going to die from cancer. Or she'd learned that fear was not going to control her anymore. That she was going to lean upon the truth of who God was. And know that if the Lord takes them home, they have eternal. They have the birthright together. And that's what matters, is the birthright. But the blessings are so much stronger if we get into it down here. 
The blessings matter too. When we are reborn, we receive a new mission. A mission to live for Christ. And we are given a blessing from Christ, saying, lean on me, go through this together. Facing trials and tests are some of the hardest things we'll ever do. But God is always there. My prayer for us today is that we not treat things that are holy and matter like Esau did. You see, Esau knew how important all these things were. He knew that everything there that was going on really, really mattered, but he couldn't see past his nose. And he gave in. And he said, okay. Take a minute. We're almost done. I promise. Students hear that a lot. We're almost done. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to just bow your head and get along with the Lord right now. Julie, if you'll come on up and just start playing. Take a minute. Are you leaning on Him? Are you saying, God, you matter. You matter the most. Of all the things in my life, God, you will be first. You will be my blessing. Are you putting something else first? to give you a minute just to get along allow him to speak to your heart ask him what you need to get out of your life so that you might be closer to him and if he's not laying something on your heart that's awesome that's awesome But if he is, this altar is going to be open. And there's just something about getting up and coming to the altar and laying it down right here. There's something about saying, Lord, you can have this. Matter of fact, If that's you right now, and the Lord's laid something on your heart, get out a little piece of paper and write it down. Put it on a piece of paper. And here when this invitation starts, come up here and put it on this altar. And say, Lord, that's yours. You can have it. Not mine anymore. There are little envelopes in the pew in front of you. Grab one if you need to. There's pens. If not, poke the person next to you and say, give me a pen. Take a minute. What's he revealing to you?